Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Colin Carter Podcast, live here in studio in Salt Lake City. Bring you the best information on parenting, technology, and raising your kids in this insane, crazy world they're growing up in. Thank you so much for tuning in. So good to be back on the podcast. Oh my gosh, it feels like it's been forever. After an entire week, we had fall break last week, so we were gone. I 86 we left, went down to the San Diego uh, for a week with the family. We had some JOMO time. If you've heard me speak, I talk about JOMO, the joy of missing out. What that means, you know, the FOMO, we know what that is. That's what's ruining so many of our lives, especially our kids with social media, that fear of missing out. That same feeling every morning when you wake up and have to check Twitter to see like, are, is our country still alive? Like, are we, are we still uh, a people? Whatever. Uh, the FOMO and ruining our kids' lives and not knowing what they're missing out on and all this stuff, the things social media. Though so the JOMO is the joy of missing out. And that's where you deliberately shut off social media and everything and all your distractions. Go do something fun with your kids. It doesn't have to be a whole week. It could be just going out and throwing the football in the backyard, or it could be going fishing or anything. Shut off your phones, you and your teenager and your kids, and just say, hey, we're gonna go do something fun. We're not gonna take a photo of any of it. We're not gonna tell anyone what we're doing. This is just us for me and you and the family. Such fun stuff. Uh, so go get some Jomo time. 10-10, October 10th was National Mental Health Awareness or Mental Health Something Day. What a great, uh, what a great day to uh, do something good for your mental health. That was just a few days ago. Uh, like go and get some Jomo time. Anyways, so really excited about today's podcast. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Today, I'm so excited uh, to be able to bring in an expert as we talk about this technology and especially these freaking video games that are being created and pumped out faster and crazier and bigger than anything you've ever seen. Uh, video games that are being bought now and by companies like Microsoft that are buying games, video games, for like eight to $10 billion. Uh, and some of these games are free. Like you can download them for free. Your kids can play them for free. And they're still doing a billion, Fortnite did a billion nine last quarter. And, a, and the game is free. Uh, this, is, uh, this is the new digital crack uh, for kids especially, and we're losing too many kids to this stuff. And I wanted to bring an expert on from the actual brain side, someone who's been working with children, with neurology on the medical side for uh, years and to be able to share his experience and some insight on this developing brain. You've got a little kid you're, that is growing up, whether they're a baby, infant, toddler, little boy, eight, whatever, eight, nine, 10, that brain, where are they at? How is it being developed? And when we throw six hours a day to Minecraft or five hours a day of online school or nonstop Smash Brothers or <laughs> whatever the game is right now, Fortnite, who cares? What's the new one? Among Us, everyone's playing. Anyways, uh, what is that really, really doing to the brain? What do parents really need to know? Uh, because like I say a lot, right? it is the wild west for gaming companies. They know this is a, a time sensitive issue. They know what they're doing. There's no incentive for them to slow down. There is no regulations. The last regulation put on tech companies was in 1997. Uh, and things have changed a little bit since the you know AOL days. And so uh, there's really no incentive for them to slow down. So parents need to understand what are these games really designed? What are they doing? How is it affecting kids today in such horrible ways? And then what we need to do as people and as families uh, to fix it. So 
Uh, really excited today to have uh, a, a medical doctor, someone who's uh, studied a lot of neurology, worked with kids in pediatric neurology. I'm gonna have him introduce him in a second, but all the way out there in one of my favorite cities, Boise, Idaho, Dr. Johnny Condi. Johnny, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks, Colin, for having me. I'm glad to be here. Yay. Uh, so tell me a little about a quick introduction. I know before we recorded, we already chatted for a minute, but uh, introduce yourself, what you do, how you got in that space, and then let's go from there. Sure. Um, yeah, I'm currently in the wrong end of 40, um, living in Boise, Idaho, <laughs> and uh, grew up in a small town in Oregon and found my way to medical school um, at, at Oregon Health Science in Portland, Oregon. Um, after medical school, I, I decided I wanted to work with kids, so I did a pediatric residency in Phoenix at Phoenix Children's Hospital. Met my beautiful wife there. Who's also um, a physician, yeah. Who's also a physician. She is a neonatologist. And uh, we ended up getting married several years later. I took way too long. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I went to Chicago then to do my child neurology training at uh, the Northwestern Pediatric Neurology Program there. Did three years of pediatric neurology training. And then around that time, there was a realization that um, uh, kids had a lot of traumatic uh, brain injuries as well and didn't really have the care that adults did. And so many programs are organizing a neurotrauma and neurocritical care fellowship. Mm -hmm. And I was fortunate enough to be one of the first uh, uh, formally trained fellows in pediatric neurocritical care and stroke. Did my training there for a year. Uh, then I came back to Phoenix where my I had some roots and um, was uh, running the pediatric stroke and neurotrauma there for about five years. Uh, in those five years, I had two and a half kids. The, the third one came out later. <laughs> and uh, and, uh, you know, it just at that time with three kids, I, I needed a, a job that wasn't quite so intense because I, I really wanted to focus on husband and parenting that I couldn't do when every second was, you know, critical yeah. and, um, found a fantastic job with a great group of neurologists here in Boise, Idaho at the St. Luke's here. And I've been doing more of a general neurology, uh, for the last, what, four years, um, where uh, we be uh, where I see both the, all the neuro pediatric neurological problems in the community, and I also cover the hospital okay. frequently, and still get to do a little bit of neurotrauma. Um, Boise is a big enough town that we do see some, uh, you know, some uh, pretty serious things. Four, so four wheeler uh, accidents, uh, stuff like that, and yeah, uh, kicked in the head by cows, things like that. Oh gosh, yeah, that was my second. That was the second one I was going to say. Um, <laughs> So you're so you're up there in Boise and uh, and uh, and before we hit record before uh, when we were chatting before we started the podcast, um, I love something you said when you said that when you went back to Phoenix for that four or five years, um, and then you came back, you noticed something kind of really change on the landscape with kids today. Can you talk about that? Yeah, it was eye opening. Um, and at first, I thought, well, maybe it's just because I was out for so long, I didn't remember, but I it's that wasn't the case. So. Um, the thing about pediatric neurocritical care is it's a very isolated part of neurology. Uh, you you don't see a lot of general neuro neurological problems there because you're just trying to save a life and save brain. Yeah, something's happened where nothing else matters except for the next 24 hours or one week or something like that. So I was I from 2000 and um, 
10 until 2016, I was pretty removed from the day-to-day neurological issues in the community. And then in 2016, I came back and I was, you, you would think that, oh, I just spent all of these years doing, you know, life and death, every second counts, high stressful stuff. You would think that sort of coming back to just more of a general neurology picture, it would be, uh, you know, grass is ankle high and the sun is shining and life is great. But <laughs> yeah. I was, I was overwhelmed for the first six or seven months because these kids were coming in on medications that I had never seen in kids before. And when I did, they were few and far between. Mm-hmm. And I, I can give you an example if you would like. Yes, please. Um, you know, prior to this podcast, I, I, uh, did go through some patient charts, um, of, and this is a, a week in the life of a general neurologist in Boise right now. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just wrote down some of the medications that kids in my clinic are coming in on. And this is a week. Okay. And are you ready for this? Yeah. yeah. Uh, amitriptyline, Zoloft, Welbutrin, Ritalin, Folklin, Clonazepam, Prozac, Abilify, Trazodone, Vivance, Concerta, Adderall, Ritalin, Latuda, Zyprexa, CBD, Laprexa, again, Celexa, and Effexor. Um, I wow. just need to, I just need to, you know, for those are some pretty big names, but three of those, the Abilify, Latuda, and Zyprexa, yeah. those are antipsychotics. Yeah. Those were brought to the market for, uh, those are very potent medications that are meant for high end psychiatric illnesses. And I'm, I'm seeing 12 and 13 year olds put on these medications. And this, this was not an environment that I was trained in. And again, I was in Chicago. What is it? The fourth largest city in the country. You would, you would think that I'd have a wide, you know, access to everything that was out there. And I, in the three years that I trained there, again, these these medications were not on the patient's list that I was taking care of. And um, it was just a seismic change in the medical milieu of what I was seeing now and what I was trained in. And I was really baffled for a while, but I, I really had to re-educate myself in medication side effects and mechanism of actions because these were these were therapeutic agents that I was not familiar with because I really did not have a significant amount of training in them back in the early 2000s. And and these, uh, for those who, uh, when you listed those off, we're going to talk about some of those. A lot of those were antipsychotics, which we're going to talk about. And why are kids on these, for heaven's sakes? I mean, this is, this is like high-end, crazy-type uh, medication that no 12, 13-year-olds should be on at this age, but you're seeing it like uh, rampant levels. And then when you look at the other ones, you said like the, Rival- uh, the Ritalin and the Vivance and all that stuff, those are all very uh, things for like attention disorder and things like that, right? Uh, right. AD- ADHD. Um, can, can you share just what you've seen as, uh, you know, and, and one thing let's make notice too, those few years you were gone, 2010 to 2016, uh, that was kind of the big few years where all of this gaming, social media, uh, you know, technology, iPad, like really cranked into high gear and became like the new norm for so many kids' lives as their babysitters and as their entertainers. Is that, is that what you saw as well? Timing wise? Yeah. In fact, that's, I even, um, I didn't do a lot of research for this podcast because I kind of wanted it to be, uh, you know, boots on the ground kind of a thing, but here's a little bit of research that I did. In uh, in 2007, when I started my general neurology um, training, Facebook had 50 million users. 
in 2012, when I was in the middle of the neurotrauma world, yeah. they had 1 billion. Oh gosh. Yeah. Okay. In 2007, um, I, I found a study on the, in the journal of American medicine that said the average use, the average video gaming in kids was about an hour a day. Mm-hmm. And in 2019, that's now three and a half hours a day. Oh, so, gosh. yeah. You know, that's, that's what happened in the interim. This, um, there's stats on top of that, that, that parents, you can look up if you need to, that uh, it's mid 90% now of kids in high school by high school are all gaming at least every day or pretty close every day. So, so we've seen a huge shift. So I, I could you first, maybe before we get into the, into that hairy stuff, uh, for the parents out there listening, uh, in, in lay terms, what is going on in a kid's brain? as it's being developed. Um, you know, you have kids that are young, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, that age. So a lot, a lot of these kids, you know, are being held iPad, handed iPads and handed little baby games even at young, young ages. And then as they transition to these very much more involved games with everything's crazy, moving, flashing, bright light, shining, everything. Um, can you kind of talk about the brain as it's developed? Like what, what's going on as these brains are being wired and what are these constant overstimulating video games? How is that damaging the, the, these uh, developing brains? Sure. Um, so the, intru- the the brain is fascinating, and and the first thing that I think everybody needs to realize is that we do not understand the brain. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. Check. Good. I, I thought it was just me. I'm like, okay, good. If the doctor says it who studies brains feels the same way, I'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I just want to give you an idea of how complex this organ is. Uh, on average, the uh, waking brain will fire seven billion times a second. Oh my gosh! I, I just just wrap your head around that. Okay, oh. seven seven billion times a second, the brain is uh, causing uh, a neuro impulse to go from one nerve to the other. So uh, we we don't even know how many tens of thousand genes are uh, are needed to establish brain function appropriately, and we're still finding new uses for old neurotransmitters that we didn't think were before. So we're, it's still, we know, we know so much more, but it's still a, you know, in my opinion, it's still very embryonic in our understanding of this organ. But having said that, um, when you're born, you do not use the top part of your brain that we call the cortical uh, system. So that is, that is the brain that has all of the eloquent um, neurons that will, eventually interconnect to form these 7 billion connections per second, which gives you personality, intelligence, insight, uh, appreciation for music. That That's all your cortex. Mm-hmm. When you're born, the moment you come out, you're not using that at all. Um, in fact, uh, there's there's been a lot of you know unfortunate cases where there are babies born that have severe cortical injury uh, incompatible with any function. And their neuro exam is absolutely perfectly normal for an infant. I oh, cannot tell wow. that the child has severe brain injury based on the exam. When your brain starts to develop, it starts in the very back and develops from a back to forward uh, sort of progression. Okay. So the first thing that the brain learns to do is appreciate vision. Um, mm. And so, you know, you, you've got all, you've got these different vision centers, your primary, second, tertiary, and multifunctional vision. And the infant will first say, oh, something's coming into my eyes. I don't know what it is. And then eventually it was like, that's mom's face. And then, oh, mom's face is a good thing. And look, she's smiling. She's not smiling. 
So vision is the first thing to form. And then it goes from a backward to forward progression so that your the very, very last thing to form is are, are your frontal lobes and it's what we call prefrontal cortex area. Now that that it's unfortunate that that's the last thing to form because that's where uh, risk management is at. That is where, um, you know, benefits of, of work things yeah. are at. That's where, um, you, you understand the, the consequences of your actions. Yeah. yeah. Logic uh, and decision-making and decision-making Im- impulse right. controls, all that, all the, all, all the stuff it kind of takes us to not be idiots. Uh, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Okay. Um, that's why 25 year olds don't drive as fast as 16 year olds is ah. because 16 year olds don't realize that they have a good chance of driving their car into a tree at hundred mile an hour. But 25 <laughs> year olds usually do. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, so during the, the adolescent years and the early childhood years, that part of the brain isn't, isn't even on. So I think the first thing to understand is that for parents to give their kids these highly stimulatory, highly addictive, media and say, you know, police yourself. Yeah. Um, don't use it too much. No one, no one, it's time to turn it off. That's equivalent from a, a cortical standpoint to asking a nine-year-old to bench press 300 pounds. Wow. Um, they're just not physiologically adapt to be able to do that. The, that part of their brain that says, okay, this is too much. I'm having so much fun. It's time for me to turn it off. Yeah. That that's not going to happen. Um, so, and then, and then the second thing is that, um, another part of the brain center that is actually turned on very early and it's a, it's a very primitive part. And my wife is going to roll her eyes at me because I talk about this all the time. It's something <laughs> called the limbic system. Yes. And you're familiar with the limbic system. I've heard the word. I'm trying to remember from my old college days, uh, but I'm just going to nod like I know what you're talking okay. about. Okay. <laughs> so, so the limbic system is this deeply housed uh, multi-center part of your brain that, that basically is is very primitive and is responsible for self-preservation. Mm. It houses fear, it houses anger, it houses hunger, it ha- houses uh, you know the desire to reproduce, um, sexual drive. All of that is part of your limbic system, and that thing is revved up and ready to go early on in life. Sure, and the only buffer you have from your limbic system is your cortex, which as we talked about is still forming until your late teens, early twenties. Okay. Um, so, you know, I, I use this, I use this example in my office quite a bit. I, I am not a fan of spiders. Um, and if I were sitting at home late at night by myself in the dark and I felt a spider creep up on my neck, <laughs> it would, it would not be a pretty sight. Um, you're, I would you're, not, up, you're not having a logical conversation with that spider. Like, no, do you mind correct. jumping off? <laughs> exactly. I, I would be in very little control. Now, if I'm in my uh, minivan, and yes, I drive a minivan, and nice. uh, I've got my three kids in the back, and that same spider crawls down the same part of my neck, I'm obviously going to act different because my, my cortical centers are putting together this immediate risk benefit analysis of how am I going to act with my limbic center mm. fear center being activated. And it's going to say, Hey, the risks of you taking your hands off the steering wheel and slapping your back and jumping around are pretty high that you're going to end up in a you know tragic accident with your family. So cool it. And, and I, I obviously would act differently. So your, 
your cortex serves as sort of the buffer on the specific situation to act appropriately based on your limbic activation. So your cortex is there to modulate your limbic system and basically make you act appropriately for the situation. So the, um, so the cortex is the brake pedal and the limbic yes. is the gas pedal. That's kind of what we're talking about. Yes. Okay. Okay. Got me. I got so, you. So yeah. So all of these video games, all these social medias, all of these things that, you know, are meant to get deep down in your emotions and get you agitated, get you excited, get you emotional. Um, you're, you're putting your limbic system on overdrive yeah. without having brakes yeah. to keep it in check. Okay. And, and your limbic system actually has this, this very interesting circuit that it, so the, it goes up and talks to the cortex and then the cortex comes down and says, no, I'm, I'm inhibiting you right now. Yeah. Yeah. But then your limbic system has this other branch that goes out and says, I can inhibit the cortex inhibitors signal. Yes. Oh, wow. And it can, it can. And that, that, that secondary inhibitory branch, it, it usually stays quiet, but as the limbic system gets more and more active, that mm -hmm. branch gets more and more active and it will reach a point where the limbic system has inhibited the cortex so much that rational intellectual thought is no longer possible. Wow. Okay. And, and you will turn into an animal. And we see that on mm -hmm. a daily basis, right? Road rage. Yeah. Um, intellectual people do not shoot other people for cutting them off. Yeah. But given the right circumstances, they might be sleep deprived. There's a lot of stress at work. They're running late for something. They're angry at their stock market portfolio. I don't know. And then that last little thing, someone cuts them off. And now the limbic system has completely shut off the cortex. Wow. They're, they're going to be out of control. And, and that's what we're doing. These video games are basically, and, and the social media has the, has the ability to just get that limbic system so active that it inhibits cortical thought or rational thought. Mm. And, and you're working as a primitive animal at that point. Jeez. Uh, I've, I've shared some stuff at, uh, when I do parent nights, uh, that get a lot of jaws dropped and parents like, no way, not my kid of, of, you know, uh, mom sent me a photo of her 13 year old boy. Who's like six two, you know, one ninety five with size 15 shoe because kids are ginormous today. And just this, she's like, here's a picture of my boy in the car earlier that day. Just the sweetest boy smiling. And then she sent me a photo. She said, here is our living room after I took his Xbox and everything was destroyed. And then the next photo she sent me was a picture of her son being arrested, uh, tackled to the ground. And she was just sobbing in this text to me, this, this direct message. She's like, she's like, what is going on with my son? And I just want to be like, that's not your son like that. That is not your kid. Parents, when you shut off Fortnite and your kid flips the table and says the F word to you and throws something and you're like, what's going on with my kid? Well, this explains all of that now. That is yeah. that is not your son. So can I ask you a question? Uh, how are the games? Like how, what are they doing? What part of the game? What part of the social media is, is cranking that limb, uh, limb so much? Is it the colors? Is it the sounds? Is it the action? Is it uh, like what part? Have you, do you have any thoughts on that? Like, because uh, I don't mean how parents will be like, well, is there like a, is there like, what about that one game that's like not so crazy and not so many, you know, moving parts and loud sounds and jumping, you know, whoosh swash across the screens? Uh, do you know what's, what is it creating that uh, overdrive of the Olympic system with these games? 
Well, so there's, I wouldn't say it's a specific thing. Um, I, I think these, but I think these video games are sort of a Trojan horse to the kid. So, mm. um, you got to remember that, uh, that, the, so the, the, the neurotransmitters, um, adrenaline and dopamine, they belong to a class of, adre- of neurotransmitters we call adrenergic. So, uh, the brain makes dopamine and mm. then tweaks dopamine just with one biological step and okay. turns it into adrenaline. So oh, wow. if you were to compare the the neurochemistry of adrenaline dopamine, they are almost identical. I did not know that. Okay, cool. I took Chem 106 too. Okay. <laughs> so um so dopamine, adrenaline, epinephrine, those those are neurotransmitters that we call the adrenergic. And those are what's activated um with with any kind of video gaming, whether it's the with the uh, fantasy ones where you're discovering new worlds and the, yeah. you know, unicorns are flying all around you and, or whether it's, you're trying to stay alive because, you know, Tom Clancy's villainous character is Call of duty with, type stuff. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah th- those are going crazy. Um, okay. So you, it's, it, it should be uh, noted that all of the stimulant drugs of abuse, methamphetamines, ecstasy, cocaine, they get into the brain and do exactly that. They flood the brain with the noradrenergic neurotransmitters. Mm -hmm. Um, And so these video games are essentially causing a similar reaction to the brain that, that the stimulant drugs of abuse do. Uh, physiologically. And does that child brain know the difference between I'm getting this dopamine from Fortnite versus meth? No, no. The, the neurophysiology is exactly the same. And that's what I mean. It's, it's kind of like a, uh, it's kind of like a Trojan horse. So our brain was developed to work with neurotransmitters and work with the adrenergic neurotransmitters, um, to basically keep us alive. Right. So we, we all know about the fight or flight. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I, it was designed so that, okay, there's a, there's a situation here. I need to be extra concentrated, have extra energy and have extra focus so that I can live. Sure. I'm being pursued by a grizzly bear or there is a tornado coming my way. What am I going to do? Mm-hmm. Um, the steam, but our brains are set up so that that burst is meant to be transient and short lived. Yeah. Yeah. Not, 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 not a six hour event or a weekend bender or every night till 3am. Like this is supposed to happen, you know, give you the energy for like, get through it for the next four seconds and get to a safe space. And then every, the body can relax. Right. Exactly. Um, chronic exposure actually leads to toxicities. And I, I mean, I've got an example, um, that happened to me a couple years ago. Um, I, uh, I was, it's about a 25 minute drive to work. And I happened to know that one of my brake lights was out and I, I meant to fix it. Uh-huh. Um, and, and I, as soon as I got on the road, uh, a policeman pulled up right behind me and he followed me the whole way. Oh gosh. I hate that feeling. <laughs> and you know, that feeling, you know, you know, the feeling when you could have a brake light out and, and, or you could be drug muling five kilograms of cocaine, your, your brain and heart functions and feels the same way when the cops tailing you that whole time. (laughs) Exactly. I've never experienced the latter, but I've experienced the former. Oh yeah. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I, he was, he was nice enough not to pull me over, but I think he just, you know, followed me the whole way to to give me a a good kick to say, get this thing fixed. Um, by the time I got to work, I had the worst migraine of my life. I bet. 
I was nauseous. I was irritable. I, I had no patience for my patients or family. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just because for 25 minutes, I was, my brain was just being flooded with, with this fight or flight adrenergic thing. Yeah. Well, I say it's a Trojan horse because the, the neurological response to these video games is identical to that. But instead of being a stressful situation, the kids think they're having fun. But in the end, after two, three, four hours, their brain is exhausted and you're going to start experiencing the, the toxic effects of chronic exposures to high levels of these adrenergic neurotransmitters. Mm-hmm. And that can be migraines and that can be depression and that can be anxiety and that can be psychosis. Jeez. Um, and then I don't, you're really getting me excited here. I, I love I this. Read. Yeah, no, keep going. Then you're robbing them of the most important brain rest tool that we have. Mm-hmm. And that is a good night's sleep. Yes. Because, uh, because these, these kids often are not playing these from two in the afternoon to four 30 in the afternoon. They are playing them from eight o'clock at night till two in the morning. Yeah. Um, or if it's a, if it's a social media thing, they, they're on their, their phones all night. And then when they do try and sleep, they keep their alerts on and then, Oh, two o'clock in the morning. They say, yep. Wake up. Wake up. Who was it? Yep. Right. And so now, now you've, you've got this toxic combination of your brain is super fatigued because you've been basically having the accelerator to the floor for an eight or, or six to eight hours. And then when it's time to recover, you don't let your brain recover. You're either worrying about the game or worrying about the social media, or you're playing it some more. And, and then you just repeat cycle, repeat cycle. And then you, you start to, you know, parents start to take their kids to the doctor saying, my kid's depressed, my kid's anxious. Yeah. And, uh, and now we've got this, this um, unfortunate situation, like you said, where these offices have to see 40, 50 people a day. They don't have time. Um, and plus we're getting, the medications are getting better and better and better. So it's just as easy for a care provider to say, well, you're anxious here. I'm going to give you some Lexapro or yeah. some Celexa. Yep. Um, and then they have a side effect to that. And then, and then they say, well, we're going to give you a medicine for the side effect. And, and they're not getting any better. And, and they're like, oh, and I'm tired all the time. Well, you're not sleeping well. So here, I'm going to give you some trazodone for sleep. And then they come to my office and they've got all of these neurological problems. And I'm looking at their drug sheet and I'm looking at their sleep and I'm looking at their lifestyle. And I like, I don't even know who you are. Yeah. I don't know who this patient is. I don't know who you are versus a drug side effect versus yeah. a polypharmaceutica side effect versus sleep. Dep- I, so I don't know what your problem is Yeah, because it could be any of the above or all of the above. Um, and it is, it is, it is very, very difficult to get to the bottom of it. It's got, and I can't, I can't imagine not just being difficult, but just so frustrating because it's got to be hard when you, when, when you sit down with a parent and they show you their son and the son's whole life has been thrown into this whirlwind and they're on meds and their parents are freaking out and parents are stressed out. And so they want an easy fix too. And so they go to the docs who they know they can get the script and get the pills from, and then the kid's fine and they can go back to school and then the teachers stop getting mad at them. And so it's just this crazy, like perfect storm for nothing to get better, for everything to get worse with this. Uh, when it, when it, I've had so many docs like yourself, just mentioned, like they just say, I just wish I could just grab the parents and say, Hey, 
maybe stop letting him play video games every day from 8 p.m. till 3 a.m. and let him get more than three hours of sleep and then wake up and go to school at 6.30. I see these high schoolers when I go to assemblies all the time. They go to bed at 2 a.m., they wake up at six every single day of the week, and then what do they eat for breakfast? Two monsters. Like that's their whole life now. I'm like, how are these kids even functioning? I mean, I, I went through that for a little while too when I was working crazy hours on the road like crazy, like wake up, go get a sugar-free Red Bull and go work all day. And I was like, dude, I'm like late 30s, I could barely handle this stuff. Um, what what do you think is going to happen if we don't nip this in the butt right now? I mean, we're seeing massive amounts of, especially guys with depression, um, suicide ideation, suicide rates are skyrocketing. Uh, what are the big things that we need to see? What are the big alarms that need to be sounded that we need to fix, do you think? Uh, and, and where could this go if we don't nip this in the butt? Well, uh, there's a lot of questions you just asked there. So yeah, I, know. <laughs> uh, I hope I don't get lost on that. Um, so, the, so the first thing is I, I am convinced, and this is just anecdotal observation, um, but uh, I, I do like to observe. But I, I am convinced that the majority of the patients that come to me that have to see a pediatric neurologist that have to be on a three-month waiting list before they can even see, and some of them oh, will drive man. four or five hours because, you know, we live in Idaho and um, you know, there, there's not a lot of subspecialty yeah. care yeah. in the, you know, places outside of Boise. Um, all started as a self-propagating cycle of viciousness that if had been recognized early on, everything could have been avoided. Yep. Yep. hundred um, percent. In fact, I would go so far as to say if, if parents and kids could see the warning signs early and stop and reverse it before it becomes so chaotic and so confusing and so out of control, I might be out of a job. There we go. I, I, I you know, so, you know, I, I don't have any financial benefit of getting out there and spreading this word because I have a lot of business <laughs> that is directly responsible to this level of dysfunction. Oh yeah, this gaming industry is keeping guys like you busy and, and I'm sure there's gonna be a huge need for more docs and specialists like yourself, which is so right. sad. It's, it's, it's like we're going out to the world saying, we need more uh, you know, heroin rehab clinics. And it's like, wait, maybe we should just stop giving everyone heroin instead of trying to use that. And the sad thing is so many of these gaming companies now are like funding research to like be like, we're not the bad guys. Like, oh, like I joke with parents all the time. I'm like, you're going to see one day the Fortnite center for rehab, you know, uh, for, for, for gaming rehab. You're like, you're gonna see oh, yeah. the Instagram center for teen mental health. Like, sorry, we screwed your kid up. Uh, we know we did it, we made billions and, but we'll fix it now, you know what I mean? Yeah, and that, that's that's also going to be very dangerous because you're you're absolutely right. Um, these these companies are going to put out research that says, "Oh, look, you you can still do this and be okay." It's but gonna be fine. Everything's I, fine. Yeah. I just want everybody to remember that statistics don't lie, but liars use statistics. And um, that's cool. It, it, it can be very very easy to take statistics that don't prove your points. Uh, and then change the metrics enough so that they might prove your point. And uh, yes, and so, so I, I would be very, look, very hesitant. And I always look at the source too. Look at who's funding these uh, quote experiments and quote research and quote. Uh, someone sent me one uh, from the the Daily, uh, the UK one out there. What is it called? The Daily Mail. 
uh, last week that said new study finds uh, teen smartphone addiction actually a, a positive for their mental health or something like that. And I'm looking through reading this and basically what they were saying is quote, like, to use a separate example, what they were basically saying is breaking news, uh, taking away opioids from an opioid addict actually makes them upset. Like I'm like, duh. Like go in and read the actual research, see who's funding it. You're going to see a lot of these companies doing it. It's a sad world. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to ask you a couple more questions. Can you talk uh, just briefly about sleep? Uh, as I do research and look in, and research is me talking to kids and talking to families. Uh, when, when we look at, and I talk to ER docs everywhere I go, and they talk to me about just this huge spike in teen suicide attempts. Uh, so much of it tied to, uh, anxiety, depression, that obviously a lot of this is caused from what we're talking about today. But the, the amount of those uh, suicide attempts that happen at 1 a.m., 2 a.m., 3 a.m. Is, is one of the most shocking things. There's so much of it dealing with sleep deprivation. So from a brain doctor, from uh, since you're the brain guy, how important is sleep for parents to understand that their kids have to get this sleep? Um. I don't. I don't know what how else to say other than it is. It is crucial. It's imperative. I mean, it is. It's. It's part of our normal physiological function. Like to say that, you know, sleep is to the brain what water is to the to the cardiovascular system. If you don't stay hydrated, you are going to be in a world of hurt. Um, you know, and and sleep is not just you falling asleep and you wake up. Um, it is. It is actually quite complicated, and the. It, 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 it's got some fascinating things. Like when I, when I'm reading an EEG, the electrical output of the brain, um, I can, for a healthy sleeper, I can look at the EEG and say, Oh, this, this patient's in stage two, or he's in stage three, or he's dreaming right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, cause, cause the brain goes through these stages and each stage, you know, right now that we say there's three stages, there's N1, N2, N3, and then there's the REM sleep. Um, and, and those are sort of the four major categories of sleep and each one of them serves a specific purpose. Um, the, uh, the, the most restorative part of sleep is what we call the N3. That is when I'm, when I'm looking at somebody who is an N3 sleep, uh, their brain is very, very slow. Mm -hmm. And you can, you can just look at the brain waves and say, this is a brain that is recovering. It is, it is not really doing a lot of stuff right now. Yeah. Um, the way that our, our, the cycle works is that we get the vast majority of N3 during the first four hours of sleep. And then the last three to four hours of sleep, we spend most of the time dreaming in REM sleep. Um, and it takes, it takes a good amount of time to get to N3. So, and, and N3 sleep can be, and is often manipulated by medications. So, um, adults who take a glass of wine to help them fall asleep are going to stay in N1 and N2 much longer and actually mess up their N3 sleep. And, oh, wow. and so they, they wake up and say, well, why don't I feel rested? I, I slept eight hours last night. Um, all of the quote sleep medicines, the ambience and things like that, they, they really, um, really mess up your sleep as well. And that's why they're supposed to be a transient kind of medication, not something that you take for six, 12 or 18 months. Sure. Um, so yes, your, your brain recovers during sleep and, um, every time that your phone dings and wakes you out of sleep, every time that you, uh, wake up 
and say, huh, I'm going to check my Facebook page or, oh, I wonder, I wonder if anybody's on Fortnite right now or, or anything like that. Yep, yep. You, you are robbing yourself of a potential cycle of N3. And, and so there's a very big difference between the time you spend in your bed and the time and the quality of sleep you get. And people who don't get enough sleep, they, they have, they will get, you know, just symptoms of primary brain exhaustion, which can be migraines. It can, it can, they, it can be tick disorders. It can be stress, anxiety, all, all of these other things. It makes epilepsy worse. Mm-hmm. Um, many times for some of the, uh, more easily treated epilepsy, um, I will let the parents have the option. Like if you, if you, uh, promise to really put your kid on a very vigorous, appropriate sleep schedule, we may not need seizure medications. Um, and I, you know, I just had a patient two weeks ago that I said this to the parents. I'm like, you know, based on what you're telling me and, um, and, and this particular type of epilepsy, if you just let him get sleep, we may not need medication. Yeah, now, the reason why this kid was not getting sleep is because he was a video gamer and he was, I think, seven to nine hours a day at night. Oh, gosh. And so I, this kid fell to the floor, took the fetal position, and started to cry. Oh. And he said, and I quote, nothing else matters to me except my gaming. Mm. And I asked him, I said, would you rather play video games or have epilepsy? And he says, I'd rather have epilepsy if it meant I could keep mm. playing my video games. No, I mean, that's, that's heart, heartbreaking. It's, but it's, it's happening just, and it's not just your office. I can't tell you how many times I've heard something similar like that. And it's happening every office. That's what the frustrating part is. This is not, uh, this is not specific to that kid in Boise, Idaho. This is happening to millions of kids right on her noses and and parents are paying for the devices that are screwing their kids up it's just such a sad place to be in so he'd rather have epilepsy so he could keep playing his game because the gaming yes. companies have found a way to make it so important to keep playing there there's their video games today parents are social media for boys it's it, there's no more shopping mall to hang out at because they own a business there's no more parks to play at because parents don't let the kids play there anymore there's no more go hang out uh, go drive around the neighborhood and come back when the lights turn on we took that all away from boys and so by doing that boys need to have a, a place to to have fun with their friends, to move objects through space and time. They need a place to be able to level up and to grow and think and and to be placed with predicaments and situations where they have to collaborate with peers. That's what Fortnite is. That's what these games are. That's what all these games and gaming companies have found a way to do. Sorry, I'm getting pissed off here. But that that's what they've done and that's what they've created. No wonder kids are saying, I'd rather die. We lost a kid last year in Orm, Utah, not far from me. 12-year-old boy. Mom took Fortnite and went and hung himself. 12 years old. Because mom took Fortnite. She took a video game. My parents were like, oh my gosh, I played Tetris growing up. I played Mario Kart. These are not the same things. And it's not just in your office. And it's not just that one kid. And that poor boy and those poor parents. It's happening on a, such a larger scale. I'm sorry. I just got, <laughs> got freaked out for a second. Um, That's all right. So what do you do in that situation? What do you tell the parents? Like, do you want to keep letting this happen to your kid? Or do you, I mean, you can't just rip. It's a drug now. Like you said, th- this kid is hooked on meth, hooked on digital crack. You rip that away. This kid's going to hurt himself, hurt others. What is your advice for parents out there who have a kid who's maybe not that far down the road, but they're worried that they're getting close. What is your advice for them? Uh, my advice is to decide. 
um, you, you're, you're, you're going to have to take a side and you're going to have to commit. Now, this, this horse is not just out of the barn. It is out of the county. Yeah. Um, we, we, I don't mean to be pessimistic here, but in my opinion, as a society, this is not something we are going to win until it hits critical mass mm. and, you know, it, 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 and it's going to get ugly before critical mass is, is ugly or I don't know how it's going to. Yeah. yeah, it is. So my, my advice and what I'm hoping is that individual families, individual parents, the ones out there that are being, you know, that, that are being touched by this, that are, that is causing them to say, yeah, this, this is something, um, you're going to have to take a stand and you're going to have to be the one in a hundred who do this because if you're waiting for the the societal wave to change and the tide to change it's not going to nope we are up against too much we are too far gone there's too much money at stake and the technology that is being used to to increase the addictive nature of these is just too advanced that i don't think a grassroots yeah. um community is going to make a dent uh, so how, my, how much so new uh, gaming market researcher Nuzu uh, estimated, listen to this number, that just gaming worldwide, gamers worldwide are expected to spend $160 billion in 2020. Uh, Microsoft's gaming revenue jumped 64% from last year at the same quarter. Like this, it, this, it's crazy. Like when you see these like futuristic like movies where it's like everyone just lives in a thing and they all are plugged into a game like Wally people. It's like, dude, we're already Wally people with the phones. Just wait till the Oculus rifts and like everything's like a, a mask. And a... so, so parents have to step in and do it in their house. That's, I'm so glad you said that this don't freak out. Don't worry. You know, we don't have to say the sky's falling cause it already, it fell a long time ago, but it, it comes down <laughs> to us as parents to make the decisions in our home first and then with our tribe. And that tribe right. might be your siblings, right? You've got brothers and sisters that have nephews and nieces that are all getting sucked into stuff too. Having those conversations and, and being good villagers again, where we say, hey, why don't we get together and circle the wagons? And why don't we talk about this and say, hey, anyone else freaked out about this? Anyone else besides me? Anyone else not like what we're seeing here? Anyone else hate how their kid acts? Okay, why don't we all figure something out? And then me and you, so us, and then the Condies, we get together, and then the other families, and then we get, and that kind of bubble just needs to just kind of grow. We are right. never gonna have the money, manpower, or the backgrounds to be able to fight these companies. The only way it's gonna ever stop, like you said, is when it gets to that mask, whatever that component becomes where everyone's crazy, we've all lost our minds and whatever whatever happens, it's gonna be a scary moment. And then the government's gonna step in, they're gonna try and fix it, but then it's gonna be the war on drugs where nothing's gonna get fixed. It's gonna come down to families and parents doing the hard things. I have an aunt who uh, who I love, who has taken on her two of her uh, her daughter's kids because the daughter was really struggling and these two boys are amazing and good kids and they're like 12 years old and she messaged me the other day and she said i'm a i'm a uh, tired grandma raising two boys that are on nintendo ds's and they're playing so much Fortnite, where it is now interrupting uh, interrupting sleep and they're uh, you know I'm, i know one of them's on meds and she's just like lost she just feels like completely like i don't know what to do uh, i feel like it's me against the world and for her it is for a lot of parents it feels like you're against the world 
Um, but it's okay to do the hard thing. It's okay to go against the grain and be the one, be the weird family that my your kids don't play games. Whoa, what's wrong? Be the weird family who's the yeah they don't game in our house. We don't do that, right? Parents ask me all the time like, what do you do if your boy goes to a friend's house? They're playing games. I say, okay, you go over to Dylan's house and they start playing games. Game come out, you come home. And that, and I tell the parents that I have no problem saying, hey, if they're gonna play Fortnite, would you text me and send and send Miles home? What really? They all love playing it. Yeah, I know, but I've looked into this game. You, your kids can play. It's fine. But Miles, I have no problem doing that. It is okay. Get the weird looks. No big deal. Um, can I ask one more question? I know we probably got to go here in a second, but um, I'm trying to figure this out. And I don't know if you have any thought about this, but as I talked and start seeing and 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 see young people that are really struggling, I look at school shootings. I look at boys going out. And after like being depressed and not sleeping, going out and doing horrible things or making horrible decisions, are we gonna see research in the future showing us that because these frontal cortexes and these parts of their brains were hammered and overstimulated so much that the parts of these kids' brains in charge of helping them make logical good decisions have not just been overstimulated, but to the point where now they're dying. The neurons are dying. That part of their brains are like wilting away where now horrible decisions are going to be made like it's no big deal. Crimes are going to be committed. Accidental death due to a homicide and accidental death due to overdoses and stuff like that. Uh, is that something that could be a possibility? Neurons are dying in the parts of the brain to help kids know right from wrong to make logical decisions to the point where like now the brain is so overwhelmed that like it's just going to be commonplace to like, oh, hey, I'm having a bad day on my way to school. There's an Amazon truck guy. I'm going to see what the package you got. I'm going to take him. Is that something that we should be worried about at all? Or am I just like watching too much Black Mirror on Netflix? <laughs> um, no, the research is already out there that shows that that happens, that uh, with too much gaming, with too much hyper-stimulatory, um, not enough rest, that your brain develops differently. Um, you, they, there's, there's imaging, there's neuropsychiatric, there's, there's neural, I mean, there, the research is out there and it's been out there for quite a long time that shows that these, uh, this kind of lifestyle can cause irreversible, um, or maybe not irreversible, but difficult to reverse anatomical and neurochemical changes in your brain. So that, that's already out there. It's been ignored or it hasn't been out there, or there've been some other studies that have come back and used different methodology and said, well, but we can show something different. Yeah. Um, you know, and again, that's, that's why, uh, you just, you just have to really be careful about, um, looking at, uh, an article. I yeah. mean, for every one article that shows one thing, there's 10 that can disprove sure. it. And, <laughs> You know, with with Google search and everything out there, you can basically find articles to back up whatever you want. Thank to. heavens for confirmation bias. If it's if it's an article yes. research that I don't agree with, then it's fake news. Exactly. Um, so but, yes, that, that that is out there. It's already been shown. It's it's certainly uh, probably going to get worse. But there is hope. So let's let's leave listeners today with some hope. When, when we look at these amazing, like I love how you said that the brain uh, is such an amazing thing we know so little about. But one thing I, I love here when I talk to neurologists and brain experts is they talk about this the concept of neuroplasticity where uh, if a brain is being wired one way, especially when they're developing as a kid, 
that there is hope and that, that it can be unwired. And then that kid who you feel like he cannot function without an iPad in his lap, or he will not be able to function unless he can play video games on weekends or all day, that that, that can be unwired. What What is the hope that you can offer parents as far as how amazing this brain is to be uh, to fix itself and to right the ship? Yeah, and, and it's actually interesting that you bring that up because neuroplasticity is huge. Um, and, and neuroplasticity does not end when you're 18, uh, it, it can it can continue your whole life long. And what's really interesting is that the t- two of the major um, things that promote neuroplasticity are sleep and exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, the two things that if you're playing games all day, you're not doing. You're not sleeping exactly. and you're not moving. Yep. Oh, yeah, the, having a rested brain. Um, allows neuroplasticity to continue and exercising actually increases neurochemicals and what we call uh, tropins that that allow for plasticity to to uh, continue wow. um, okay so yeah the two two of the things that are most important for neuroplasticity are being robbed by gaming and social media that, that, that's what's taking them away so yeah I, it's it's not I'm not being so nihilistic and I'm I'm not to the point where I'm like, well, once it happens, you're lost. This is, this is a reversible cycle. Um, but it's just not easy. And, uh, and it, it really gets hard. I'm sure when the temper tantrums happen and the drywall gets punched (laughs) Punched through and, and things like that. But so it's not something that you can just like, okay, we're going to take the phone away and then expect it to be Fixed. Uh, right and cream after that. Right. It's, yeah. it's a commitment. Just like anything in life is a commitment. It's a commitment. And if you really want to take advantage of it, you replace that time with brain and uh, you know, mental health friendly activities. Yeah. Like taking a walk. Like actually having a conversation where the brain can look at, heaven forbid, facial expressions <laughs> and actually see somebody smile what and the? somebody wink and 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 get all of these very, very important um, emotional milestones that are, are not available through the virtual world. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, I've been talking a lot on my social media, on my Instagram lately about uh, wanting parents, even if your kid isn't even that hooked to their stuff, but they have the iPads out or they have the games out and they're playing them sometimes, just try doing a seven-day detox. Go for seven days, have a plan. So for each day of those weeks, you've got some activities planned. And like you said, it could be just hanging out, talking, playing board games. It doesn't have to be something crazy. You know, we're, we're taking kids out of digital Disney world and then putting them in front of you and saying, hey, like be entertained, like go over there outside and like throw a ball. Like it's gonna take a little bit of training and retraining their brains. And 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 the best thing I ever heard was from a family that did this, and, and I put them on my Instagram a while ago, the Thorns. They said, when we did this detox, we had to replace the iPad and the gaming time with our time. We had to replace it with our time, our connection. And so do a seven-day detox. Try it with your kids. Do it as a family. And then roll that seven into 30. I promise you, you're going to see the most amazing things. You're going to see your kids sleeping more. You're going to see them happier, less irritability. Uh, I talked to a pediatric group in uh, South Utah County where they said, you know what, Colin, we will no longer even prescribe antidepressants, anti-anxiety meds to kids or teenagers until they first do a tech break for a month or for a couple weeks off games. I I do that. Yeah. When they come into my office saying, I have these terrible migraines or I have these (laughs) terrible Tourette's. Give me me pills. I will I will say you're not getting a prescription from me until you sleep 
and until you drop your uh, non-stimulatory, um, I'm sorry, until you drop your hyper-stimulatory uh, screen time to two hours or less. No, no meds until you've dropped no. that down. Very right. Good. And um, what kind of results do you see when they come back if they actually do that? They don't come back. That's the funny thing. I said, call me, geez. you know, call me back in six to seven weeks if <sighs> if you're still having a problem with that. And problem solved. You know, just kind of looking back, I, 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 they're they're either like so mad at me for not doing it, or they actually got better. I mean, <laughs> I, I did have one family call me back a couple of weeks ago after I said that, and the mom just said, "Thank you. I have my daughter back." Oh, I and, love uh, hearing that. And, uh, you know, I, I don't have my official follow-up with them for another few weeks, but it certainly sounds positive like that. So, so one last yeah, question, so- one last question before I let you go, what do we need to do, um, to get the medical side more, uh, speaking louder about this kind of stuff? I know, like I said, I talked to pediatricians all day, like, do we see 40, 50 kids a day? I can't even, I don't have time to ask one more question of my evals. Like I can't, we we're so overwhelmed. What do we need to do to get more medical doctors in this space, in your space, in the family practice, in the pediatrician, in the neurology to be able to vocalize more? I know you're doing it with your patients one-on-one, but what do we need to do to get your information, what you're seeing out more into the public view? Well, I think, I think besides podcasting with Colin. (laughs) Yeah, this, this is a, this is a definitely good start. And I, I also think that, uh, um, you know, there, there just needs to be more of a, of an emphasis on it, that it needs to be its own part in, in the symposiums and it's starting to grow and it is starting to get there. Um, you know, this, this, this was not really, I'm sure anticipated when it first came out. Um, and it has, it has exploded faster and the technology has gotten more addictive and the processing has gotten faster. And then I think, uh, medicine moves. I mean, medicine moves slowly. Amen. Um, I, uh, I, it took me like five years of doing neurocritical care and I maybe got one or two protocols tweaked in those five years. And trust me, I worked, I worked hard. So, (laughs) so, Medicine, you've got to have things peer reviewed, and then you have to have a different type of study to confirm it, and then you blah blah blah, and you know six seven years later you get a professional opinion that gets incorporated into it. Well, look what's happened in five or six years. In we're, this. we're twenty thirty video games past that by then. We're gonna right. we're gonna have we're gonna have video game eyeball contact lenses by the time that comes exactly. out. <laughs> exactly. So I mean, it's it, it's. It's moving faster than medical guidelines have a chance to keep up with it with. Yeah. And that was terrible English, and I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> and so so the first thing is there's going to have to be providers that just get so sick of it that they don't wait for the guidelines to yeah. start saying, look, this is what I'm seeing and this is what you need to do. Now, practicing outside the guidelines makes a lot of medical providers nervous, obviously. Um, but uh, guidelines are not meant to replace common sense. Um, they're, they're meant to provide a minimal standard of care. And we didn't go to medical school to read guidelines and just regurgitate guidelines. So I, I think a lot of providers out there need to say, you know what, I am seeing this and it's not just anecdotal and there's others out there. I'm going to start uh, withholding the antidepressants until the screen time is down. Or yeah. I am going to, I'm going to start withholding the sleep medications until uh, they can show me that they're actually practicing sleep hygiene. Um, and, uh, it, 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 it's going to have to be a grassroots movement like that, but it is happening and it's happening out there. I feel I, it too, I told yeah. our, 
I told our whole, uh, I told my colleagues in pediatric psychiatry that I was doing this and they were clamoring. They're like, can I come on? Oh, you know, and they were, they were throwing advice at me. Let's do it. Let's get a big all, group. I, I got more oh, mics. <laughs> yeah. So all of them, I mean, are totally, are, are completely uh, aware of the situation and Good. they were, they're very excited. This is happening. So it is, it is becoming apparent, but again, this moves so fast Yeah. and medical progress in relationship to that is so slow yeah. that we're behind the curve for sure. Well, let's not, let's not wait for the, you know, the medical doctors to be able to add more to their hundred hour work weeks to figure this out too. I mean, it's kind of obvious science. It's, we don't even need the science. You just can see what happens when, you know, kids are going through this and, and every parent I talk to realizes that, you know, that's not normal behavior and, and maybe there's a better way, but it's definitely going to take a grassroots effort. And I'm so, so grateful. Thank you so much for spending. I know you're such a busy guy uh, for t uh, taking a moment to come on and talk with us and uh, with my listeners. And then uh, when I publish it, you know, maybe we could even have, yeah, I'll send it to you and you could have all of your, you know, your colleagues go out there and listen. And of course, you know, critique your grammar and your English, but no big deal. Uh, they stop teaching English classes in med school, don't they? Usually after that, it's just like bad handwriting and like script writing and like, uh, that's it. There's no English classes, right? No grammar. Uh, yeah, no, that's right. All, all the <laughs> unnecessary stuff. We know? throw that away. Yeah, all that stuff. We don't need it. Krebs cycle. Don't need to memorize that ever again. You're fine. Uh, but thank you so much. Uh, I, I have such a, uh, like you, a passion and love for these kids and what they're going through and for families. And, and I don't shame and guilt the parents out there. If you're feeling guilty, don't. Because these games were sold uh, as something that they really weren't. And like you said, it's it, there's too much money behind it. Microsoft just grabbed... Uh, a company, Zenimax Media, something like this, or what is it? They bought one gaming company for seven and a half billion dollars. Like, th th there's just, it's crazy numbers here. There's too much going on. There's no incentives to slow down. Don't wait for the government or the medical business to, or medical, uh, you know, groups to come in and, and shout what we kind of already know is, is, is happening. But thank you for talking about the brain and helping us understand that. I took two pages of notes here. I don't know if you can hear me crinkle my notes here. Um, and, and, and if anything, lastly, I just want to share with parents that are listening. Um, Beyond what this is doing to the brains and the emotions, one of my biggest fears is when we hand these crazy, amazing games that fulfill everything guys want, and especially boys and girls too, but especially how boys are wired. When we, when we replace their desire for success, collaboration, being creative, uh, solving problems, moving objects through space and time, engineering outcomes, when we replace all those things that they drive and thrive with in real life. And they can and they can accomplish those on a screen in their basement at 2 a.m. with relatively no risk. What is that? What is, what is this world gonna look like uh, when we have an entire group of young people into the workforce now, into becoming parents, raising families that have found that I, I'm not gonna risk anything in real life. I can get everything I need on a screen. I, I, why would I go risk talking to girls and, and the possibility of being rejected when I can have mental sex with porn stars on my phone in my bedroom with no stress? Why would I risk struggling at work, going through a deadline and all these you know projects and having to deal with an, an idiot boss when I can just sit in my basement and I can shoot bad guys and get a, and be a hero and get the gold coins, ching, 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 ching. Uh, We're on a slippery slope. Uh, and I'm so grateful uh, for you coming on today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, if you have any questions, I'm gonna go find some music here to tie it off where I've done this for too long. Is that, there it is, no, that's the wrong one. Uh, if you have any questions, send me a, an email. Hey, Colin, it's savethekids.us. 
Uh, follow along what I'm doing on Instagram at Colin Karchner. Uh, my save dot the dot parents Instagram account sharing stuff on there too. That's a private account just for parents where I share the scary stuff. I don't want to share my real account. Uh, go home. Go give your kids an eight second hug. We'll see you next time. Thank you.